You're listening to nothing but the best of internet marketing talk, and you're listening to the David Conley Show. And here's your host, David Conley. Greetings, brothers and sisters of the planet Earth. You're listening to the... Coming at you from dcradionetwork.com. This is part two on my series of how to do very well at interviews, for, especially for IT jobs. Maybe you are a web developer who would like to get hired in some high, fast lane IT job, high paying and all that stuff. Maybe you're a designer, maybe you're an SEO person. So the subject here is how to do well at interviews. Now, this is part two. If you didn't catch part one, then I would encourage you to go back and check out part one. It's on uh, dcradionetwork.com. There's an archive section and all of that stuff. Now, for anyone um, who was here, just as a quick reminder of the vibe, yesterday I said some very outrageous things, some very bold things, and you'd be forgiven for saying some rather, uh, I guess you could say some rather cocky things. I was saying that you can actually uh, get IT jobs, you can go in and be interviewed and do very well without a CV, without a portfolio, without any references, without even having a shut and tie. Now folks, this should be a shock for you. When you hear someone like me saying that, you should feel challenged, you should feel cynical, and uh, you know, anyone who doesn't have those feelings probably doesn't get what I've just said, you know. I'm saying that you can actually waltz in to IT jobs, uh, high-paying IT jobs, without CVs, without any of that other stuff. And yesterday I spoke for some time, for about 40-odd minutes, about a system that I've used for about the past three years. Uh, And this is a system that I actually have used and do use to this day to bring in uh, web development projects. And it's a system that involves basically going to lots and lots and lots of job interviews. So pretty much by accident, over the years, I've acquired or I've established this system for doing really well at job interviews. So, uh, you know, for any of you developers who are interested in this kind of thing, hoping to get hired, then I really hope that uh, you'll get something from this. I think you will. So, um, let me uh, just continue from last time. Now, last time I was talking, I kind of presented this two-sided coin, and I was talking about how in an interview scenario, on the one hand, we want to be in a position where we can say outrageously bold, show-offy, positive things about ourselves, but on the other side, on the flip side, we also want to balance that by using selective self-deprecation. This means very carefully choosing things that we are not good at and amplifying them. 
So, for example, if you're not very good at web design, or maybe you're okay at JavaScript, but you're not a complete expert, then you would be saying, man, I am terrible at web design, I have no clue how it works, and to be honest, I'm really rubbish at JavaScript. So the idea is, is you're self-deprecating, and the whole concept is that you stack up on the self-deprecation, and that gives you a license, that qualifies you to then go on and say the positive stuff. Now, just a word about selective self-deprecation before we go on. I really need to stress that this is an essential component in the perfect IT interview scenario. If you go into an interview and you're basically just going, you know, I am brilliant, I'm perfect, you know, and nothing wrong with me, and I am the ultimate person, ding, 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 ding. If you go into an interview like that, people will think you are a plonker. They will think that you are arrogant, deluded, and all of that uncool stuff. However, when you use selective self-deprecation before you fire those nukes, okay, very important. When you use selective self-deprecation, when you stack up, three awesome things happen. The first thing is, now that was a little Skypey noise, don't worry, it was just me. I have a room in Skype and... Um, I'm just typing, whoops, sorry, right, yeah, that was just a Skype message, we have a little chat room on Skype, but there's now a chat room on the actual web page as well, so if you go to dcradionetwork.com, you will see either a video stream with me talking live, and you can see that, and there's even a chat room on the top right-hand side on the website, dcradionetwork.com. So you can head in and type and ask questions and leave your comments. You can heckle. You can do anything you want. That's at dcradionetwork.com, and it's happening right now. Now, when the site, when this show is not live, I mean, you know, I have to do other things in life. When it's not live, you'll go on the site and you'll see a countdown, a big clock, and it says so many hours, minutes, and seconds until the live show. So you can uh, check that out. It's at dcradionetwork.com, and you can see when the next live show is happening because I would love to have you at the website. I would love to have your questions, your comments, and feedback, and all of that stuff. So uh, dcradionetwork.com, as I say right now, maybe not when you're listening. You could be listening at some time in the future. Ooh. Anyway, um, if you were here now as I speak, you would see the live feed. You would see me, my cool sunglasses, and the chat room, and all that stuff. It's all happening there, and honestly, you know, nothing wrong with iTunes, but really and truly, I think the whole website experience is much better. But let me get back to the subject at hand. You know, when you use selective self-deprecation, a few things happen. The first thing that happens is people like you. This is the coolest rapport building thing ever. You know, so when a guy comes in and says, oh, listen, man, I'm, things suck here and this is a drag and this hasn't worked and I'm terrible at this, people find that kind of refreshing. And I can confirm this probably more than anyone because for about a year I was coming on this show 
pretending to be Mr. Successful. And then one day I came on round about the start of the year and I was like, listen folks, I've had some challenges, you know, I've had some health challenges and challenges with the business and financial challenges and this is the vibe. And I kind of changed the vibe of the show. I thought there's nothing wrong with being a human being, you know, there's nothing wrong with not being perfect. And as soon as I actually started putting that kind of message out, folks, the subscriptions went through the roof, you know, the listenership has been increasing exponentially and it's just a cooler way to be. So when you head into that interview room and you're saying, listen, Charlie, to be honest, I'm not very good at blank, 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 blank. You shall be the coolest guy in the universe. That's point A. Fantastic for building rapport, self-deprecation. The second point is, when you use selective self-deprecation, you are standing out from the crowd. It's a fantastic way of just showing them that you are different. You see... Everyone else who goes into that interview room, they are all, you know, all of the other applicants, right? They're all playing the same game. And their entire game is basically this. Hello, I have some qualifications. I have some technical skills. I've built one or two good websites. I'm very honest, very hardworking. Please hire me. Okay, now that's the game that everyone is playing when they go for an IT interview, okay? As soon as you go in and you stack up on the selective self-deprecation, <coughs> pardon me, as soon as you do that, immediately you're sending the message, listen, I'm different from those other people. For one thing, I'm honest, you know. Uh, I'm not trying to give some bed of roses picture and that's the vibe, you know. So that's also cool. Um, also, when you stack up on selective self-deprecation, when you say the negative things and you say, listen, Charlie, <clears throat> you know, I have to be honest, I'm not very good at most things in life. I'm not very good at laughing, singing, dancing, and I can't even tell a decent joke these days. I'm pretty rubbish at most things, but thankfully, I am uh, a brilliant nuclear bombs tester. Thank you very much. I don't know how it happened, but by some accident, I ended up really good at one thing in life. I ended up this great nuclear bombs tester, you know, whatever it may be. Because you have used this uh, self-deprecation, it kind of gives authority to the good stuff. Do you know what I mean? Because people are thinking, well, he's not just being some arrogant shyster. He has self-deprecated and that's the vibe. It's super, super cool. Now, yesterday after the show, our resident security expert, Paul, asked a really good question uh, just when the show finished yesterday. And he said, listen, he said, if this is the technique that you're using, if you are indeed using this system, what happens when someone turns around and says, look, if you're such a big shot, why on earth are you here, <laughs> okay? Why on earth are you wasting your time in this interview if you are such a big shot? And that, folks, is a perfectly valid question. In fact, I was asked this question just yesterday uh, in a 
real, you know, situation. The good news is that, again, this is one of the benefits of self-deprecation. When you stack up on self-deprecation, nobody can pin you down. For example, right, a concrete example. Let's imagine you're applying for a job as a PHP developer, okay? Just for example, it could be anything, right? Now, suppose you make your opening gambit. And, uh, basically, listen, I have to tell you, I'm not very good at design. I'm not good at writing. I'm not good at SEO. I'm not good at this. I'm pretty rubbish at everything. And man, I'm just thoroughly unsuccessful and that's the vibe. However, I am, by some miracle, I'm very, very good at PHP development, right? Now, let's imagine you make that the opening gambit. Folks, you've just covered your back for the whole conversation. Because if someone turns around and says, hang on, if you're such a big shot, if you're so perfect, blah, 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 if they say this later on, right? How come you're in this interview? You can say, well, listen, Charlie, when I said I was rubbish at all those different things in life, I wasn't joking. I'm not some business guru. I'm not coming on pretending to be brilliant at everything. Truth of the matter is, I've made millions of mistakes in all sorts of areas. I'm, I'm not claiming to be Donald Trump here or Tony Robbins or someone. I'm just a really good PHP guy. And that's the vibe. And they'll be like, yeah, that's cool. You see, so it never becomes an issue. The powers of self-deprecation really are awesome, folks. And they will, they will help to give you authority, help you to stand out, build rapport. And they will even cover you if you get challenged on things like, well, why are you here if you are so successful? Now, the reality is there's about 10 responses to that. But I'm just giving you one example. Okay, so uh, now I think I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the more practical aspects of uh, being interviewed, going to job interviews, okay? <coughs> I am so sorry. So um, I'd like to say a few words about uh, how you dress, how you should position yourself, I mean, literally in the room and stuff like that, and also uh, building up to the interview itself, okay? Now, um, the first thing I'll talk about is how you dress, because this is kind of big, and I know that a lot of people uh, get really caught up in this kind of thing. Now, it's probably not my place to tell people how to dress, but let me give you my experience, okay? Since the mid since the mid 1990s, I have been around and worked with and locked horns with some really successful IT people. I've met people who have worked uh, with Google. I've met um, a guy, one guy I can think of, who is quite literally on first-name terms with Bill Gates. Um, I've met people who charge many hundreds for seminars. And uh, even on the show, I've had some really, you know, really fantastic special guests on and stuff. And I know what these people are, are like. And after a while, I don't want to sound snobbish, but you can kind of tell 
when you're in the presence of someone who really knows this stuff. Now, folks, this is kind of controversial, but I do believe that there is a sort of dress code for real heavyweight elite IT experts. And as far as I can tell, based on many years of testing, this dress code does not involve wearing a shirt and tie. Folks, I have never worn a shirt and tie at an interview, probably since about 1995 or something like that. I just don't do the whole shirt and tie thing. And the reason why is because when you wear a shirt and tie, you're actually wearing the uniform of a salesman. So if I was to knock your door and I'm wearing a shirt and tie or some person wearing a shirt and tie, you know, all formalized, you would immediately have, you know, your guard up. You'd be suspicious and you'd be like, oh, gee, here we go. Now, folks, I want to tell you, I started off this whole game cold calling. I was literally chapping on doors and posting leaflets and walking into workplaces saying, hey, man, do you guys have a website? This is how I started off in the mid-1990s. And there was actually a team of us who were doing this. We were doing this together. And together, we experimented with all sorts of clothes, everything from a shirt and tie and dressed like a tailor's dummy, all the way down to turning up in a tracksuit, you know, as if you've just been, I don't know, running a marathon or something. I've tried every type of dress that you can imagine, and I can tell you that the shirt and tie does not work. As far as I can tell, it's a surefire signal to people I am here to sell, I am a salesman, and you can be on guard, you see? Now, don't get me wrong, there are situations where a shirt and tie would be perfectly appropriate, okay? If you're accepting an Oscar, by all means, wear a shirt and tie. If you're being enrolled into the Wrestling Hall of Fame, wear a shirt and tie. Maybe even if you're presenting on Dragon's Den, they seem to worry about things like that, and that's fine, wear a shirt and tie. But you see, in the real world, in the world of movers and shakers, the people who wear shirt and ties are, at best, middle management. When you move up the tree to the high rungs of the ladder, most of the real experts don't wear shirts and ties. Do you want to know how they dress? Well, here's the vibe. For the guys, I can't really talk about women here, but for the guys, you want to buy the best suit that you can afford, okay? Something really sharp, something good. Don't get a cheap suit, okay? But then when you get the suit, I want you to basically throw away the trousers, okay, or give them to charity. And what we're doing is we're just keeping the suit jacket. Now listen closely. I am telling you for the first time how to dress like an expert. This is how the people who write the search engines dress. This is how the people who hang about with Bill Gates and all that dress. 
This is how real movers and shakers dress, okay? So you wear the suit jacket, but you don't wear suit trousers. Instead, you wear blue jeans or denims, as we say in the UK, all right? So a suit jacket and blue denims. Next thing is, we want a nice white shirt. Uh, you can go for light blue if you want. But ideally, white or light blue, and we need the top uh, button undone, right? We don't button it all the way to top. the top, and just, you know, that would make us look like some kind of a weirdo. So we want unbuttoned with no tie, ideally a white or a light blue shirt, and then a suit, a very nice suit jacket, okay? You want a pair of denims. Now, here is the next two things which are very important, possibly the most important parts of the whole equation. Folks, you need good shoes. Very important. These are the things that millionaires seem to really notice, okay? So I want you to find the best shoes that you can find. Do You can have cheap trousers, that's okay, but you never have cheap shoes. We want Smart shoes, not necessarily like little pointed weak ones, but strong. Uh, good shoes, again, the more expensive, the better. Now, if I have a really important meeting, like something, you know, kind of pretty important, I'll usually just buy a brand new pair of shoes just for that meeting. That's how important the shoes factor is. The shoes must be perfect. No compromising, okay? Finally, I want you to get a good watch, okay? Um, I, again, I know that it's not easy for everyone to afford good watches, but try and get a good watch. Listen, you can get away with cheap trousers, you can get away with, I suppose, a reasonably cheap suit jacket and all that stuff. But the two things that must be the best, the best that you can afford, are shoes and a good watch. It's very important. Would you like me to go all mystical on you? Would you like to? Would you like me to start talking on a metaphysical level? Can you handle that? Okay then, well let me give you the vibe. When you're wearing a good watch, I would personally, now this is going to sound a bit crazy, right? But personally, I like to have a little bit of gold on the watch, okay? There's all sorts of reasons for this psychologically and so on. Listen, I'm not into jewellery, okay? But wearing gold, especially if it's an interview situation, you know, it's more than just saying I've got money and I'm successful. There is a, a theory, you know, that... Basically, if you look through the since the dawn of history, uh, all of the rulers and the kings and queens have had this thing about gold. And there is a theory that gold is actually vibrating on a level that attracts wealth. Now, I know I'm sounding a bit strange. I'm not going to go here too much. But just take it from me, okay? It's good to have a little splash of gold. So don't you know, don't go cheap with the watch, don't go cheap with the shoes. You want the best that money can buy. We want a nice suit jacket, shirt, 
no tie and a pair of blue uh, jeans. Now, um, this is the dress code of the expert. You may not have heard anyone talking like this before, but believe me, this is the dress code. And uh, you can actually see when you start looking, when you become aware of these things and you start looking around and you become conscious of these things, you'll see people dressing like this all the time. And now that you've heard this from me, now you know the secret. For example, head to YouTube, do a search for Tony Robbins TED Talks, okay? Tony Robbins and then T-E-D and then T-A-L... KS, uh, and you'll see Tony Robbins doing a presentation at one of the TED Talks meetings. I think it's about 20 minutes long. Now look at the way Tony Robbins has dressed for that event. That's the expert dress code. There it is right there in full formation. You'll see that he has pretty much everything that I have just described exactly. Now it sounds a bit weird when I describe it here and I say a suit jacket, blue jeans and all, it sounds kind of weird, okay? But look at the way Tony Robbins has dressed at that meeting. That's the code. And I'll give you another example if I can. Uh, let me have a quick shot of the web here, if I can. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find anyone else who has you know, manage to pull this off in public so that you guys can see this, you know. I really want you guys to know this. Um, okay, here's a good example. Do a search for the book Debt Cures, D-E-B-T-C-U-R-E-S. I want you to search for the book Debt Cures by a guy called Kevin Trudeau. That's uh, Kevin K-E-V-I-N, Trudeau, that's T-R-U-D-E-A-U. -E Look at the cover of the book, Debt Cures, and you'll see a picture of the author, Kevin Trudeau, who's kind of a controversial guy. Now, you'll see this on Google Images if you look for it. And look at the way Kevin Trudeau has dressed in that picture. Again, you'll see it's almost identical to the way that Tony Robbins dresses at TED Talks. This is the expert dress code. Here it is, right here, okay? And when you dress like that, you're saying to people, look, I'm professional, I mean business, but I am not some salesman and I'm not middle management, you know? That is the expert dress code, okay? Uh, and there it is right there. I'm so happy to be talking about this. Um, now, with the, the few minutes I've got left, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what to do before the interview and how to position yourself. I do hope you're enjoying this material. Um, so, first of all, when you go into the building, right, let's say, I don't know, let's say it's, um, oh gee, Say, for example, you head in, and if it's kind of a large company, the chances are you'll go in, there'll be a reception area, and they'll say, oh, right, you're here for the interview, could you please sit, just wait over there, you know, and Mr. Blankety Blank will be down to see you in just a few minutes, you know, and that's the vibe. Now, here is the secret, folks, here is the great secret. 
when the receptionist says to you, just head over, take a seat over there, folks, you never sit down. Do you hear me? You never, ever sit down. The reason why is because when you're in that reception area and the person comes over to interview you, when they come out to call you out, you don't want to be in a weak position, sitting down, looking up. It's psychologically weak on a spiritual level. It's giving energy away. It's making you weak. So when they say, head over there, grab a seat, you need to, you know, by all means, head over, go to the waiting area, but always stand up. So when the person, when the person doing the interview meets you, you must be standing up. It's very important, okay? Because you don't want to be in a subservient position. This is absolutely critical. Next tip, when you, um, when the receptionist, you know, says head over there, by all means do what you need to do. Most waiting areas are right beside the reception area. So normally there'll be a few seats and the receptionist desk will be about 10 foot away or something like that. Now, that receptionist is basically your sparring partner. I don't want to say anything, you know, derogatory about receptionists, but the vibe is you need to use that receptionist to warm up. So you need to basically... Now remember, when you arrive at the interview, chances are you may have been travelling, maybe you've been in traffic. If it's an interview in London, I may have been on a train for six hours and I haven't said a word to anyone. So I'm going to use the receptionist to limber up. And I'm going to be saying to the receptionist, and I'm standing up, and I'll be saying things like, so, have you, do you enjoy working here? Or, you know, have you been here long? You know, so what's it like working here anyway? And I'm striking up a conversation with the receptionist. And, uh, you know, hopefully... The receptionist and I, we have a little rapport, we build up, and basically by the time the interview comes, I'm fully warmed up, chatted, maybe I'm laughing and joking, ready to go, and everything is fine. So you do not, folks, this is critical, in that waiting area, you do not stand in silence, you definitely don't sit in silence. You want to be talking to the receptionist. The receptionist is your best friend, okay? So that's the whole idea, limbering up and so on. And by the time that person comes down, maybe there'll be like only a three-minute delay or something. But when that person interviewing appears, as far as the receptionist is concerned, you are the coolest guy in the universe. You've just made a great friend, you know, and that whole energy will be picked up as soon as you, um, as soon as that person appears. This, again, very important, okay? Now, finally, when you go into the actual interview room, sometimes you'll have interviews with one person, so sometimes one person will just be saying, okay, here's the score, you know, this is how you do the interview, uh, sometimes you'll have two, sometimes you will have a large group, um, sometimes, well, sorry to go on, sometimes you'll have a square table, a rectangular, sometimes you'll have a circular table. Now, again, this is very important, okay? 
when you walk into that interview room, your goal is to, if possible, it's not always possible, but if it's possible, you want to try to sit on the same side of the table as the person doing the interview, okay? So if possible, you don't want a table and you're facing the person because that's confrontational. You want to be sitting, facing the same direction as the person doing the interview. Now, I know that you're thinking, oh, this is crazy. How can you go into an interview two perfect strangers and be sitting facing the same way? I mean, this is insane. Folks, the answer is you head into that room with a laptop. Can you handle it? And you say, look, uh, let me just open my laptop here. I have a few things to show you. And it's probably a good idea if we just sit on the same side here. So the laptop is the key. When you head in, you're side by side. Psychologically, you're facing the same direction. You are part of the same team. Can you handle the vibe, people? Who on earth is talking about this stuff, by the way? Go to Google, go to YouTube, go to, you know, iTunes. You can go here, there, or anywhere. Nobody is talking about this stuff, but you are hearing it here. You know, I'm so happy to be talking about this. So you try and sit on the same side. Now, if that's not possible, if it's not possible to go and be on the same side for any reason, and if you have a choice, sometimes they'll say take a seat, okay? If you're not able to get on the same side, then the next best option is try to sit with the light behind you. Do you hear me, people? So if you go in and there's a, let's say there's a big round table or a big kind of boardroom rectangular table, something like The Apprentice, you know, then if if the, you know, it's going to be one of these situations and you can't get on the same side, the next best option is sit with the light behind you. So I'm going to be surveying the room and I'm looking for windows or sources of light and I want them right behind me, you know. Uh, and again, this, it sounds crazy, but this does all sorts of things on a psychological level uh, and I'm sure we can discuss this more at the Insider Club. Um, I think that's pretty much everything that I wanted to cover today. Folks, you have been listening to some interview techniques and so on. In fact, an entire system that will help you to get hired for high-paid IT jobs. Um, you know, I know that some of you folks are thinking... Uh, you know, this This is probably not possible, this stuff. I mean, some of you folks are selling websites for two, three hundred dollars and you think that's a good deal, you know? Folks, I have a news flash for you. There are people every single day selling websites for four-figure sums, five-figure sums, six-figure sums, and even, it is true, seven-figure sums. And if you're watching me on the live video feed just now, you'll see that I'm 
smiling. And, uh, you know, on the subject of seven-figure sums for web development, yes, over a million dollars, folks, it is possible. In fact, let me just give a little word of congratulations to Derek. He knows what happens, what happened even. He knows what's going on. It's absolutely incredible. So congratulations to Derek. Yes, folks, it is true. It is possible. It is happening here in our midst. Seven-figure sums being exchanged for websites. Normal websites built with PHP and MySQL. You don't know about this stuff because you've probably been hanging about forums and you know, chat rooms and Elance and Fiverr.com and all that stuff. But you see, folks, there is another world. There's another, an entire different dimension. And you just haven't been exposed to it, you know. The good news is, is that the Insider Club is here. You can join the Insider Club free of charge. And for the first time, you're now being given access to these people. Just imagine what it would do for your career to hang about with people. And by the way, don't talk, you know, forget about me. Take the focus away from me, okay? I'm talking about hanging around with people who are regularly, um, you know, doing web development deals for five, six figures. Imagine what it would do for your career to hang out with people like that. Imagine what it would do to be on first name terms with people who are doing this kind of stuff regularly. Imagine if you could actually learn from this stuff. In fact, imagine if you could even go into business with these people. Actually say, hey, why don't we join forces and do such and such? Can you imagine the effect that this would have on your career? Well, folks, it's all possible and it's all happening at the Insider Club. Everything that you have been hearing here is just 1% of the system. This is just scratching the surface. There's so much. In fact, I'll probably continue this conversation tomorrow. And even then, it's only going to be about like 1.5% of the whole system. Folks, you are here for a reason. And you are being introduced to really a, a unique, powerful system, a whole new mindset. And the good news is, it doesn't matter where you come from. Listen, these interview techniques that I'm going on about, I didn't just wake up with some talent for doing interviews, right? I, I only figured this stuff out fairly recently. It took me a long time. I can remember when I left school, I, I went for interviews like as a shopkeeper's assistant. I went for an interview as a shelf stacker at the local supermarket. And I couldn't get any of the jobs. Nobody would hire me. I used to get really nervous, you know. And um, I remember when I would like button up the shirt and tie, I used to feel as if I was being strangled. And I actually had problems like I would start having panic attacks and I'd, I'd have problems breathing. I mean, I was just such a nervous person. Folks, if you think that I'm some kind of natural, I'm not, you know. 
uh, clearly I don't have some posh, perfect accent. Clearly, you know, I, I, I wasn't born just knowing this stuff. This is a system, folks. This is a logical, step-by-step -step system that you can learn. I've learned it as well, and it's easy. You can repeat this at will. And the funny thing is, you know, there's people listening to this show right now who are clients of mine, people who are maybe prospects, and I dare say people who will even be on the other side of this process. They're listening, they're here right now, and they're taking on board all of this stuff. But it's okay. I'm not bothered because everything we're doing is ethical. Everything we're doing is backed up by results, backed up by a proven track record, you know. Um, remember, folks, the client is king, and that's at the foundation of everything we do. That's why if you search for me on Google, you won't see a single complaint from a customer or a past customer. Maybe that'll change in the future. Who knows? But I've been doing this since 1996, folks. And there is not one, not one single complaint published anywhere on the web. And I'm so proud of that, you know. There's nothing scammy going on here. There's no pyramid schemes. There's no deception. There's nothing fake about any of this. I'm just showing you guys how to do well at job interviews. Follow this advice and believe me, you, you'll end up just enjoying the whole process. I mean, I love interview situations. It's my favorite way of uh, getting IT contracts. And I do hope you enjoy this. I hope you enjoy trying this. And uh, please do let me know how you get on. Thank you very much for being here, folks. It's been a pleasure and a privilege. I shall see you next time. Stay cool and may the force be with us all. Bye.